Father of heaven and earth, we want to thank you for tonight. We are grateful to you for this unique opportunity to come before your throne and to share in your very presence. In the eternal past, there is a divine plan that was hidden from our man. But this day, these things are revealed to us by your spirit. The scripture tells us what the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The scripture says in Psalm 42, deep calls unto the deep, and the noise of water sprout, thy waves and thy billows, they've gone over us. Tonight we've come together to partake of the divine heritage of those who belong to God. Tonight, Holy Spirit, let there be an opening of the eyes. Let there be an opening of the heart. Lord, we push the curtain aside and we pray for the revelation of the Spirit to come, to pass through not just our head but to distill into our spirit that we may receive concrete word from the Lord tonight. The Lord, each of us as we came here tonight, we came with expectation in our heart. We came to receive from you. Speak to our heart tonight, our Father. We give you glory and we give you honor. We promise to give you all the glory and all the praise, our Father. We bless you and we honor your name. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. If we have been following the scenario of what the Lord has been sharing with us, it has bordered down in the last couple of weeks on the reality of the new creature in Christ. That is my summary of all that the Lord has been saying to us. That the new creation in Christ and the new redemption and the redemption that we have in Christ gives us an opportunity to have access, a doorway into certain treasures of God that otherwise we wouldn't have access to. And this underscores the power of redemption. The redemption necessarily is not a preparation to heaven. The redemption begins when our lives here on earth is brought into a quality experience with God. That being born of the spirit is not an escape route into a place of solace before God. That even while we're in the flesh, God wants us to live and enjoy every day of our lives based on what he has done for us. So tonight, I'm going to be sharing with us on what I call reigning in life. Hallelujah. Reigning in life. I want us to turn our Bibles quickly with me to the book of Romans chapter 5. The book of Romans chapter 5. The scripture declares from verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man's sin, so, just as through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus, death spread to all men, because all sinned. 13. For unto the law, sin was in the world, 
but sin is not imputed because there was no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. 17, which is the last I'm going to read. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. The invitation that we receive into the kingdom is the greatest invitation ever. The scripture declares in Revelation 3 verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon thee, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. It says, and you shall find a rest for your souls, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says in verse 2, For he said, I've heard thee at the time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have succored thee. The word succor means I have given you an aid. I have helped thee in the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, this is talking about divine invitation. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. The Bible says, For he has delivered us, for who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That scripture says, For he has delivered us. Now the word delivered still comes from the root word soteria, which means he has set us free. He has emancipated us. He has given us liberty and has conveyed and has transferred and has moved us. Now the word convey means transferred. It means moved. So salvation in itself means the invitation that Jesus gave to us provided us a new place in the spirit. We were given a new position in the spirit. Now, I want us to comprehend all of that. Now, that being born again is not just changing color. 
is not just changing orientation. It's a complete change of position in the spirit. The Bible says we have been conveyed. So what it means is that when I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus... I did not just change by just saying words. In the realm of the spirit, there is a conveyance. There is a movement. There is a motion. I've been transferred from one position in the realm of the spirit to another. I may not know it because it does not show on the face. But something has happened to my person. That is the reality that God wants us to have tonight. Now, I'm coming somewhere and I want us to get it. Now, that in itself means being born again has given me a new relevance in the spirit, which I did not have before. In other words, I have become an integral part of a kingdom that I did not know before. Meaning, I am assuming a new position, a new responsibility on the basis of the new commitment that I have in the spirit. I'm going somewhere. Now, I want us to understand that in every kingdom, there will always be a king. And in every kingdom, there will always be subjects. Amazingly, in the kingdom that we are, we are not just subjects. The Bible tells us that there is something that is not common to other kingdoms. And that is the fact that subjects in this kingdom are also kings. They're not just subjects. They are what? They are kings. And I want us to perceive this tonight from the scriptures that we're reading. We just read from the story of Jesus. Why Jesus told his disciples, let us go to the other side. It was very simple. Let us go. Jesus said what he meant, and he meant what he said. Let us go over to the other side. Now, the entire experience I'm just going to summarize Immediately, the people responded by obedience. There was a great storm. There was a great, great storm. This is what I know. Every time there is a movement, a response, an obedience to God, the enemy will always raise a storm in our lives. There will always be a storm. This is why somebody asks me, but you said they are born again. Why are they having so much trouble? The truth about the matter is that will always be storm and they rest and, and corresponding to the obedience to the word of God. How many of us know that the enemy does not say nothing the day you wake up in the morning and you decide just to go around the house cleaning and you forgot to have your breakfast and your lunch? How many of us have noticed that? We just walk all day and around 5 p.m. Ah, I didn't eat today. I don't know why. I, I was just busy. How many of us have noticed that? But make up your mind early in the morning and say, today I'm fasting. By 10 a.m., every part of your body is asking for help. You are sweating from your head to toe. What's going on here today? Something is wrong. Ah, why is it so difficult? It appears we should go and get something to actually alleviate the way our body is responding. But there are other days, you are not fasting. You're just, you're just doing chores. And your body cooperates well. But the day we make up, I'm engaging in a spiritual walk today. Ah, we will see. How far you will go, we will see. All of us have experienced that. Isn't that true? How many of us have noticed that the day a pastor comes and declares a three-day fasting? Some people are angry throughout that day. They are, they are angry because why is this man saying the Lord led me? God didn't lead him. You don't have to fight. You don't have to be part of the fast. You can only tell yourself, well, for me, I'm not fasting. The flesh revolts 
against obedience, but that in itself is only giving us an insight into what happens when we obey the Lord. But Jesus says something very critical in this passage of the scripture. He said, why are ye so fearful? Have we seen that before? Mark chapter 4. Jesus said, why are you so fearful? It amazed him how the disciples responded to the circumstance. To me, and I also want to understand with us, please travel with me in my imagination, that Jesus was not trying to play God with them. Jesus was not trying to let them know that what he was demanding of them is what they couldn't do. Jesus was making a demand on their response because he knew that is the exact state that these people should be. I don't know we're getting what I'm saying. Jesus said, why are you so fearful means, in the first place, you're not supposed to be fearful. Now, why are you so fearful? If I want to re-paraphrase that. In the first place, I told you we're going to the other side. Is that what I said? Now, I haven't said any other thing else. I did not tell you when we're going to the other side that we're going down. Did I tell you that? that today we're going to drown. We're all down here. I didn't tell you that. All I said to you is that we're going to the other side. Now, while they were in the midst of the sea, nature, circumstance, what we could see began to militate against what Jesus said. And now, the people began to believe what they saw as against what he said. Hallelujah. How many times do we believe what we see against what he has said? How many of us that are here tonight are looking at our circumstance and we look at ourselves and say, how am I going to make it? We're not listening to God. We're listening to the circumstance. We're watching the circumstance and the situation. And I've seen believers looking at other people and other Christians and other people around and wonder, why is mine like this? How many of us have heard such statements before? All of us went to school together the same year. Things never worked out for me. I don't know why is my own situation like that. Uh-uh. You know why you are responding? We're responding to the impulse of the moment. We're not responding to the will and to the word of God. Now what Jesus is saying here is this. Any circumstance in your life that tends to steer you in the face, now you cannot ignore that it is not there. But what I want you to remember is what did I say to you initially? What was my word to you? I said to you that we're going to the other side. Now, I want us to know tonight that God has a plan for our lives as we're seated tonight. Praise God. There is a divine plan for your life. And let me assure you, however difficult the situation may be, however to, you know, posterous the wind may be, there is no wind, there is no storm, there is no circumstance that can undermine the power and the will of God. Hallelujah. There is no circumstance that can undermine the ability of the spoken word of God. Nothing can undermine that. Now, what are we saying tonight? That's not even, I, just, I just had to say that. For us to know that what he was saying essentially is that there's a, there's, a, there's a state of your life. There is something that I expect from you as my disciples. You are not supposed to be overtaken by fear. You're not supposed to be overtaken by circumstance. Why? Because you need to really know who you are. Who are you? What have I said to you? So Jesus helped us 
that in this kingdom, it is not just the master. The, the other thing that I saw from the other perspective of this scripture is that Jesus looked at him and said, everybody knew he was the master. Don't they know? Everybody knew he was the master. Now, Jesus was saying in another sense that, listen, I know all authority and power belongs to me, but it is not exclusively mine to exercise. It is also yours to exercise. Do we see that? All authority and power to have control over nature is not exclusively mine. It is as much as yours as it is mine. Did that make sense? It is much as much as it's as much as yours as it is mine. In other words, whatever I'm able to do, you also have the same capacity to do. Therefore, please listen. We started by saying reigning in life. I believe from scriptures, that royalty is a distinct mark of this kingdom. Royalty is a distinct mark of this kingdom. I believe tonight that flowing in the covenant blood in your body tonight is royalty. How did I believe that? And why did I believe that? The scripture tells us in the book of Isaiah chapter 62, in verses 1 to 3, for Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until a righteousness goes forth as brightness and as salvation, as a lamb that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings, your glory. You shall be called a name which the, name which the mouth of the Lord alone shall be named. And you also shall be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. And a royal diadem in the hand of your God. That's in the Old Testament. This is talking about Israel. And that's directly to us today. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. For ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show for the praise of him that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as I studied the word of God, I also noticed it is not just who we are, even the law of the kingdom is called a royal law. James chapter 2 verse 6, the Bible says, For this is the royal law, that you shall love what you, that you shall love thy neighbor as thyself. So even the law of this kingdom is a royal law. Meaning that there is royalty that is associated with redemption. And if there is royalty, then there must be rulership. I'm going to say it again. If there is royalty, there must be rulership. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation chapter 5, in verse 10, it says, And has made us to be kings and priests, and we shall reign in heaven, right? In heaven? <laughs> and we shall reign on the earth. Now let me quickly bring this to our 
attention tonight. How many of us believe that the scriptures we have read tonight, some of those scriptures are futuristic in nature? Revelation chapter 20. Let me read what it says to us. Revelation chapter 20. Are we there together? Revelation chapter 20. In Revelation chapter 20, in verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, Jude chapter 20 tells us that Jesus is coming back the second time with a thousand of his sins. Ten thousand of his sins. Is that true? Now, from Revelation chapter 20, the Bible is saying that those blessed and holy are they who actually had the first resurrection. For on them, the second death has no power. Now, this is talking about believers who had gone up with Jesus at rapture, who are coming back to reign with him when he descends upon the month of Olive. Now, hallelujah. How many of us believe that we're coming back here to reign? Oh, yes. We're coming back to reign on the earth. Now, we're not coming back with this body. We're coming back after we have been resurrected. We're coming back together with Jesus with a glorified body. And we are all going to be at certain position of leadership and administration when we come back together with Jesus. Now, the issue of reigning with Jesus is not, so, it's not a fantasy somewhere. It is real. After the rapture, after the seven years in the sky, when Jesus will come back after the Armageddon war to reign and to rule in the millennium, on the earth, a thousand years reign of Jesus. I hope we all remember that the devil will be bound for a thousand years at that time. And the Bible tells us about what is going to happen in those days. The Bible says, and, and, I, and, I, will, and I will give unto you shepherds after my own heart. Who will teach the people knowledge and truth. So God is going to raise as many of us. He's going to raise us as teachers. He's going to raise us as administrators. He's going to raise us as judges. So we're coming back here to rule and to reign. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's what the Bible says there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. Are we there together? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. Do you not know that the saints will do what? We judge the word. And if the word will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Now, Paul was addressing the church at Corinth. There was a problem between brethren, between brothers, and then they were looking at each other. You did me evil. You, I did you evil. Now we're going to go to the law court and we're going to report each other to the judge. And Paul heard about it. Please, I want us to open our ears. Paul heard and said, what do you think you're doing? You're taking a brother circumcised in the spirit like you to a civil court? Is there no one among you who is equipped enough to judge in a small matter? If you cannot judge in a small matter, don't you know that you're coming to judge this word? Hallelujah. So whether we like it or not, we're coming back here to judge. So the issue of reigning with Christ is not, it's not a fantasy. It's not a thing of the wishes. It is real and it is going to happen. 
The Bible also tells us in Isaiah chapter, in Isaiah chapter 2, Micah chapter 4, the Bible tells us about what will happen in those days. The Bible says there will be peace because Jesus is going to rule by the road of iron. Now, because he's going to rule by the road of iron, there will be peace, there will be tranquility, there will be togetherness. He will rule with authority and he will rule with grace and accuracy. And we all are going to have position of rulership and reign. Now, I'm going somewhere tonight. I'm just letting us know that in the eternal plan of God, we're rulers. In the eternal plans of God, we're judges. I want us to say to ourselves, even though I didn't go to a law school, I'm still going to be a judge. <laughs> Hallelujah. I didn't go to a law school, but I wouldn't need to go to a law school because the Spirit of Almighty will be within me. The ability to judge will come naturally. The ability to rule will come naturally because we were born originally to rule. We were born originally to reign. We were born originally with royalty flowing in our system. Now, we are looking at the scriptures tonight saying, anyway, that's what is going to happen in the millennium. Now, if it's that's going to happen in the millennium, I want us to also know that, you know what Paul is saying here? Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 6. What Paul is saying is this. If indeed you're going to judge and you're going to rule in the millennium, why not start now? Anybody in the house? Does that, does that sound like what he's saying? That if indeed you're going to rule in the millennium, why not begin now? So Paul is saying, begin your rulership now. Begin to reign now. Now, from Romans chapter 5 that we read, the Bible tells us something here. And I want us to pay attention to this tonight. That reigning in life begins by reigning over the force of the enemy. The devil is the prince of this world. One of the key tools of the enemy in our, in our generation. And the generations before has been by the spirit of fear. Now, in Romans chapter 5 that we read, the Bible said, death reign. How many of us believe that tonight, one of the greatest forces on earth today is the force of fear? Fear rules people's hearts. Fear, fears rule over nations. Fear rule over homes. Fears rule over Wall Street. Fear rules in different places. What we see today is palpable fear in many places. Palpable fear. Regardless whether they are rich or poor, there is fear. Now, when the Bible says that we have been brought under bondage and unto death through sin, it says now, but by the gift of righteousness and the grace for righteousness, now you shall reign in what? In life. What are we reigning over? Amen. Hallelujah. We are reigning over the spirit that controls the world, but that do not have right to control you. Amen. Jesus in Mark chapter 4 says, literally and the natural, when there is wind, when there is storm, and the human life is in the boat, the natural response is to be afraid and to be fearful. But Jesus said, otherwise for you, you have no legitimate right to be afraid of wind, of storm. You have no right to be afraid because there is a different spirit that lives on the inside of you. You are supposed to reign. Let me give us an example of an evangelist. This man of God had preached and ran away at some point. But this time around, 
he's preached and preached, and he made up his mind that he was going to go to a city to preach the gospel. This is a life story. While they were in the middle of the sea, the Bible says, suddenly, there was a great storm. Do you know what happened? Everybody panicked, and they were afraid. In fact, when you read stories of voyages in the Bible, it was a story of fear and terror. Do you remember? That of Jonah was fear and terror. They were throwing things because they didn't want to die. That of Paul in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 27, was of fear and of terror. Such that people lived three days. They couldn't eat. Not because there was no food. Their mouth could not taste, couldn't move the food. How many of us know what we're talking about terror? When people are terrorized, their body refuses to eat. And they didn't feel it. Paul had to say to them, ah, I saw the angel of the Lord last night. Whose I am and whom I belong. There shall be no loss of life in this ship. Everyone in this will arise and eat. It must take a man who is reigning over fear to say that. In the midst of raging storm, he said, do not be afraid. There shall be no loss. Hallelujah. As from, from today, I want us to see every one of us in this place. When things become difficult, that's when God wants us to show that we have power over fear. That we reign in life. We are not supposed to be subjugated by the spirit of fear like every other person. We are supposed to live by the spirit of faith. Hallelujah. This man of God, everybody was afraid and they were in terror. You know what happened? The ship will move this way. You know what he did? He just reached into his pocket and brought out his tract. When the, when the ship moves him, you know, in the ship, you couldn't go around preaching to people. But God gave him an opportunity. He said, ah, the ship wants to capsize. This is an opportunity. He brought out his tract. The ship moves him this way. You go there. Have you known Jesus? Accept him now. He moved him to this side. Have you known Jesus? Everybody was saying this, you know, because they were afraid to die. The ship moved him to another side. Have you accepted Jesus? No, accept him now. Have you accepted Jesus? Accept him now. He saw it as an opportunity to quickly share the gospel before everybody perish. Take Jesus now. Hallelujah. God wants us to be in control. The Bible said what we have should make us to reign in life. How did I know that? Hebrews chapter 2. Let's turn to it. Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus, your faith for tonight. Hebrews chapter 2. Are we there together? In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. I'm going to read with us. It says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might taste death for what? For everyone. In verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things, and by whom all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Now I want to go specifically to that scripture that I'm interested in, verse 14. It says, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death. That is the devil. What did he do? He destroyed him who has the power of death and released us through what? Through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hallelujah. The Bible is saying what Jesus came to do is only that did not destroy the devil. He also delivered those who through all their lifetime were subject to bondage because of the fear of death. This leads me to a point tonight. There are two types of fears in life. 
We call it the medical. I always mention the med, the people in medicine. There is a fear to have. There is a fear not to have. Hallelujah. A fear to have is a natural fear. A natural fear was placed in man as a protective covering for man. So the man will not engage in anything that will make him. Thank you. The man will not engage in anything that will make him destroy himself before time. I'll give us an example. Some of us know that. How many of us have climbed a 20 stories before? And you get to the floor and you look through the window. Something inside you says, don't move too close to the window. You stay like this. And you, everybody, somebody pushes, hey, don't kill me. You know? How many of us have seen that before? You don't want to move close because there is an instinct in man placed by God to protect him. It is not, it's not a diabolical fear. It's a fear naturally placed by God to protect us. How many of us know when we were grown up as children, we didn't have that fear? When you pick a child and you put his head down in a 220 story, he doesn't he just smile, Daddy, how are you? He doesn't care. He does not have that fear. But as we grew older, to protect us, God has placed that natural fear there. The second one. This happened to Jesus. When we get back home, we can study about what happened to Jesus when he was about to be arrested and crucified. Do we notice that when they were beating Jesus, they placed something upon his head. It covered his face. They were beating, they covered him up. You know why they did that? It was a deliberate effort from the Roman soldiers. Let me give us an example. Sorry, sir. Uh, let me do a little demonstration. Now, naturally, if I want to hit you, sir, there's, there's an instinct in you. It's an adrenaline. You want to do this. I'm not know what I'm talking about. You want to defend yourself. It's a reflex. That reflex is placed there by God that even if something hits us, the impact will not be much because every part of your muscle now is directed towards that side to protect your body. Now, what they did to Jesus was to cover him so he did not know when things were coming. So things were coming. They was being hit with direct weight of the culture that was coming on him. So there was no defense coming from any part of the body. It was employed by the Roman soldiers to destroy people and to make sure that the punishment will come 100% to you. It, that's a natural instinct. That's what you call a fear to have. But the other fear is what you call a fear not to have. This fear is demonic. This fear rules the world. This fear is found everywhere. This fear, when it exists, it is the source of all manners of sicknesses and disease. This fear is what, it, one of the things that causes schizophrenia. What do they call it? Schizophrenia? Yeah. I know it's a very, I know it's a lot of, a lot of this is, this, this are the, these are the response of some of those fears in our lives. So those are the fears the Bible says. That's why it's known everywhere that you will see all over the scriptures that there are about 365 fear nots in the Bible. When God is about to speak to his people, he will say, fear not. First of all, do not be fearful. Do not be fearful. So we saw this that there must be something that God wants us to learn. And that's why Jesus said, look, the first thing I came to do is that I may deliver those who their lifetime have been subject to fear of death. So one of the things we must understand is the key force of enemy today is the spirit of fear. And God wants us to reign over the spirit of fear. Hallelujah. God wants us to reign. There will be no difference between you and an unbeliever if you respond to, with fear to everything that happens to them. Listen, church. Whatever goes on in this world, there is nothing that happens that God does not know about it. Hallelujah. 
There is nothing that is going on under the heaven. God is aware. He knows what is going on. And you see, except God has not stepped into a situation when it is God's time to protect his own people, I don't care how terrible the situation is, he will protect them. How many of us have heard testimonies of believers in 9-11 as big as some of those buildings or some believers escaped all the way from the top all the way down? How they got them, some of them don't know. Some even bought testimony that they believed that they were carried by an angel. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, he will give his angels charge over you. There are times like that. Many of us have seen a ministry of angels in our lives. That something happens, you don't know how it happens. I remember some years back, I think specifically it was 1989 or 1990. We were praying for a sister who was pregnant. And she was about to deliver of a baby. The baby had already died about three days before this time. We were praying. We, you know, she was already in the theater. They were about to pray for her. They were about to do, you do an operation. You can imagine what that means. I know nurses know what it means and the doctors know what it means. For a baby to die for those numbers of days. And as we were praying outside, a couple of brethren in the car, we were praying because we couldn't be allowed to enter. Somebody came and stayed by the side of the car. All of us opened our eyes. We saw a, you know, a structure by the side of the car. And when we finished praying, nobody saw that structure anymore. And somebody said, it is done. God wanted to show his people his presence is with this person. That sister survived it. She shouldn't have survived it, but she did. What I'm saying is that there are times in our lives when God supernaturally will bear his hand and bear us like an eagle's wing and will hold us together. But you see, the reason why that happens is when we don't allow the spirit of fear to overrule us. And one of the things we're going to reign over in this life is to reign over the spirit of fear. Hallelujah. Let me quickly tell us, what are the different types of fear that we see today? I have two specific ones. How many of us know one of the strongest fears today is the fear of death? Hallelujah. Is it not true? It's a fear of death. And preachers don't even like to talk about it because you scare half of the congregation when you tell them death. Eh? Death? No. But the truth about the matter is, we must understand the source of death. And we must understand what the scripture says about death. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 2 here, Jesus said, I have destroyed him who has the power of death. Church, did we hear that? He has destroyed him that has what? The power of death. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about the physical death. Jesus is saying, listen, the enemy may terrorize you, but you see, I've taken the power away from him. You may see the wind. There is no ability to destroy anymore. Hallelujah. You may see the wind blowing. But the ability to destroy has been withdrawn. I have the powers of life with me. If it is of God, there is nothing the enemy can do to take your life. God will sustain you. Let me give us a few scriptures. Philippians chapter 1. Let's hear what the Paul the Apostle says in verse 21. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hello? To die is what? Is gain. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8, Paul said, after said a few words, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. A believer, it says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It says, willing to be rather be absent in the body so that I can be present with the Lord. Paul is saying, don't allow fear of death to terrorize you. An exit from the body is to be present with the Lord. And exit from the body so what? is to be present with the Lord. Let the enemy not create fear in our hearts for no reason. For we know that our lives are secured in God. And exit from this physical body, the dying body, is to appear before him. And to appear with peace of God in our hearts. Because we know that our Redeemer, 
lives. Hallelujah. Number two. Another fear that I see, and this is very preponderant. It's what the Bible, it's what we have seen as the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. The fear of what we have not seen. And many of us live in this fear every day. I don't know what is going to happen. We are afraid we sleep at night, but our minds are not at rest. Because of certain deniers in our lives. Because of certain expectations that we have that have not been met. And these things create a subtle place of worry and anxiety and fear in our heart. Fear of the unknown. How does this manifest in our lives as believers? How does the fear of the unknown manifest in our lives? You know, I wrote down here, we must understand that what is unknown to you is not unknown to God. <laughs> is that true? What is unknown to me is not unknown to God. Some time ago, the Lord opened my eyes to see this, that he said in my spirit, whatever is not beyond prayer, it's not beyond hope. If you can still call upon me over this situation, it is still within the reach of hope. How many of us know that what is going on in your life today is still within the reach of prayer? <laughs> if it is still within the reach of prayer, it is still within the reach of hope. As long as it's something I can pray about, then I can believe God that something good is coming at the end of the tunnel. That it's not over yet. As I call upon God, God is able to do the impossible when I call upon him. In fact, the Bible went further in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. The Bible says, Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. The Bible is saying, look, when you don't even ask, when you because think there means desire. Above all that we can ask or desire according to the power that works in us. If you can lay the foundation of designing according to my will and asking me, I'm able to do them. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, and knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For he that seeketh findeth, for he, for, he, for he that asketh to receive it, for he that seeketh findeth, for he that knocketh the door is open unto him. If it is not within, if it is within the boundary of prayer, it is still within the boundary of hope. And I notice from the scripture, Genesis chapter 1 verse 12. God spoke to Abram, go into a country that I will show you. Abram had no idea where he was going. He went anywhere. Many of us are seated tonight, we're saying, Lord, I have no idea. I'm part of your group. Hello? I have no idea. But I'm going anywhere. Hallelujah. God is speaking to you about something in your life. You have no idea, but you're going anywhere. Why? Because I do not have a control over the unknown, but I know that every unknown is known to him. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, when you turn to it, I love to read it, but I like to read it from here. It says, <laughs> there is no, it says, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. All things are open and naked to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hallelujah. All things are open and naked to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Secondly, you may not know what tomorrow holds, but we know him who holds tomorrow. How I many of us know we don't know what tomorrow holds? 
but we know him will work tomorrow. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thought that I think towards you. It is the thought of peace and not of evil. That you may have a future and a hope. Let me quickly add another scripture to Jeremiah chapter 31. I want us to read this. Jeremiah 31, verse 16. Jeremiah 31, verse 16. What does he say? Jeremiah 31, verse 16. This is what it says. Jeremiah 31, verse 16 says, It says, Thus says the Lord, Refrain your voice from weeping. Are we all there tonight? I want everybody to open to that scripture. I want everybody to open to it. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 16. Jeremiah 31, verse 16 and 17, I'm going to read. Are we there? It says, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. He's talking about your own children. In verse 17, there is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their home borders. Hallelujah. There is hope where? In your future. So, it is not for me to be afraid of what I cannot see. In fact, I love John chapter 16 verse 13. I want everybody to turn to it again. John 16 verse 13. Let's read what it says. John 16 13. John 16 13. This is what it says. <laughs> I love this. It says, however, it's speaking about the Holy Spirit. When he the spirit of truth has come. It will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. Are we there together? But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you what? Hello church. He will tell you what? Meaning that the Holy Spirit knows what is in my future. Church, the Holy Spirit is aware of what is in my future. No wonder 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has he entered into the hearts of men. What the Lord has prepared for them that love him. The next verse, verse 10. For the Lord has revealed them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So the Bible says here the Holy Spirit will reveal to us things to come. What are the things to come that is making us afraid? Ask the Holy Spirit. It will reveal to us things to come. Fear of the unknown. The question tonight is this. How to reign over the spirit of fear? Number one, how do I reign over the spirit of fear? I must understand the import of God's love. Let's read. I'm not going to be able to read many scriptures because of time tonight. First John 4, 18. I must understand the import of God's love. First John 4, 18. This is what it says. First John 4, 18. Like everybody to read this with me. First John 4 18. What does it say? It says, There is no fear. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Church, if I'm walking in love with God, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandment. Hallelujah. If I love God so dearly from the depth of my heart, there is no fear in me. Amen. There is no fear. There is no fear. The Bible says there is no fear in love. It says, but perfect love. It mentions fear again. Cast out fear. That's how serious fear is. It's saying the weapon, the remedy to fear is to walk in love. When you walk in the love of God, fear loses its power. 
What love is he talking about? He's talking about the agape love. The God kind of love. The love that is unconditional. The love that is selfless. When we love God so dearly from the depth of our fear loses its grip over our lives. He says, fear. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Have we noticed that when there are two brothers that are working together, do you know my brother? If I walk with you in genuine love, I have no fear of you doing me harm. Is that not true? I don't care what you're thinking, but I care that in my love, in my heart, I love you totally. This is why that husband and wife can live together with each other with trust. Because in perfect love, there is no fear. It casts out fear. Have we seen some unbelievers before? They don't eat at all. When they sleep at night, they open one eyes and say, if she's going to kill me here. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says, perfect love. Cast out fear. I love this. Let's finish this verse. It's a loaded verse. But he who fears, what does he say? He who fears has not been made perfect in love. Isn't it a great scripture? He who fears has not been made perfect in love. In other words, if God loves me, let me tell us this. If I believe that God truly loves me and he cares for me, I will not be afraid of anything. If I believe that his eyes are on the sparrow, if I believe that his eyes are on the sparrow and he's watching over me, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. I remember Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord, I will not be afraid of men, of the foes that come to me. That was David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Even when men rose up against me and their terror was risen against me, my heart shall not fear because the Lord is my light and my salvation. May the Lord become our light and our salvation. Quickly, number two, we have been delivered from fear. Tonight, church, let me say this to you. You have been delivered from fear. I want us to talk to our friend, I've been delivered from fear. Jesus died for me. The fear will lose its grip over my life. Either night or day, fear you have no place in my life. I am a child of God. I have no fear of death. I have no fear of future. God is in charge of my future. I do not know the unknown. He knows the unknown. He's in charge of the unknown. I do not know what tomorrow holds. He holds my tomorrow. He holds my tomorrow. He holds my tomorrow. He holds my tomorrow. Praise God. He has delivered us from, from fear. Hallelujah. Number three. Let us begin to spend time. You know, I'm not going to stop saying this every week. This is why this church was started. The power of God's word. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing. Because faith is the opposite of fear. And I'm not talking about empty faith, just talking. I'm talking about faith in the word that God has said. That's what Jesus was challenging the disciples about. The key ingredient that makes up faith is the word of God. So when we preoccupy our spirit with the word, what does Romans chapter 10 verse 17 say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. I love the word faith comes. It's a present continuous. 
As I continue to re-listen to the word, as I continue to load my spirit with the word, my faith is being built up. My faith is being built up. My so the degree of my faith today is to the degree of the word that is in my spirit. How much of the word do we hear every day? Some of us in our offices, all we read is Trentonian. You know, we just put those things there. And those things, they are the song. Have you read the newspapers before? All the newspapers are full of bad news. There's an earthquake in Chile. The ones you didn't know, you won't have any problem if you don't think about it. But immediately you begin to see those things. The day the house just shake, ah, it's coming here too. No way. One day I was coming from work, and I turned on my radio. I mean, this happened to me. I was on 541, right on this road. And they said, uh, in Burlington County now, around 541, there is a, a tornado warning. It's moving. It's, and I said, I was driving. <laughs> you know, I said to myself, I look around, there were cars on the road. I said, ah, why must it be me that is running here? Let's keep driving. <laughs> I called my wife and I said, they said there's a tornado coming. But I'm still driving, you know. <laughs> Praise God. We have been delivered from the power of fear. The world sustains, produces faith, and sustains faith in our heart. Number four, we must secure our imagination every day. Listen, church, the most powerful place in your life today is your mind. The battleground today is our mind. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For we war not against the flesh and blood. For the weapon of our warfare they are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strong ghosts, casting down imaginations. I look at the word imaginations in another version of the Bible. It says reasoning, it says theories, it says arguments. How many of us have sat in our own house by yourself? Nobody's around you, and you are arguing with yourself inside the house. No, it is not true. Yes, it is true. No, it is not. And there's an argument going. There's so much noise in your spirit. The Bible says, cast it down. Cast it down. Cast down. The word cast down, praise God, church. Cast down means you have to say it. I bind you, spirit of fear. Don't, don't bind it in your spirit. You must say it out. There is power when we release the force of life through our mouth. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall hit the field thereof. There are times you have to go around the house. I bind every spirit of fear in this house in the name of Jesus. We slept at night. We had a bad dream. You are not entitled to have a nightmare as a believer. No reason. Does that sound clearly? I said, you are not entitled to have a nightmare. If it comes, we must send it back to where it came. Hallelujah. Somebody came to me to see me some time ago. I was, I was in the church and said, Pastor, you know, I've been having these bad dreams in the last one month. I said, one month? And you have been living with bad dreams for one month? And he said, I dreamt about this. I said, you know what is going to happen? He said, what do I do? I said, this night, if you have that dream, go back and sleep again. Say to yourself, I'm going to have a good dream tonight. Dream again. Dream a good dream. Speak to your imagination. To dream a good dream. Casting down imagination. We must secure our imagination in the Lord. The enemy wants to terrorize our mind. We have no place to the devil. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. Tell him, no way. No place in this place. The enemy is terrorizing our home. No place in this place. You have no place in this home. May the Lord help us. Secure our imagination. I'm, not, I'm going to stop now because of time. This is not going to raining in life. So raining is not just that I'm born again, I'm going to church. There are certain aspects of it. That's where I'm in the kingdom. I'm a child of the kingdom. I have the ability to reign over fear. Fear should not have dominion over me. Shouldn't have dominion. 
Next week, let's not miss next week. We're going to be talking about another reign that God has given to us. Not just reign from fear. God wants us to reign in all aspects of our lives. Let's stand up to pray tonight. Father, we give you praise tonight. 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 Devil, you're a liar. We're born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before I came in tonight, I just started to check up the word fear from the Greek word. It means phobos. In other words, it means there is another word that was used to replace it. It says phobomia. And phobomia means to be put in fear. Hallelujah. So what the scripture is saying that the enemy is trying to put us where we don't belong. I will not take it. Hallelujah. I will not take it. I will not take it. I will rather believe God. I will believe God with every fiber of my With the last breath of my nostril. I will believe God. I will not take the fear of the enemy. The Bible says 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of power. Of love. And of sound mind. Of sound mind. And of sound mind. I want us to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you tonight for delivering me from fear of death, from the bondage of death, setting me free. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the privilege to come before your throne tonight to just see this truth that the storms of life will not overcome me. That however raging the storm may be, it's not going to overcome me. It's not going to overcome me. Lord, I thank you tonight. I give you glory and honor today. I worship you tonight. I glorify you tonight. I worship you tonight. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. We're going to pray the next prayer. Somebody defined fear some years back and said, Fear is false experiences appearing real. We're going to pray tonight. You, this situation, you are a false experience. You are not real. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It is the hope of things not seen. It is the evidence of things. I want us to begin to say tonight, fear, you have no place in my life. You are not real. You are of the devil. You are not of God. I know your source. I know where you came from. You are from the devil. I have the spirit of God. I have the spirit of God. I cannot be afraid of terror by the night. There is no place for the spirit of fear in me. Some of us, the enemy is bringing bad pictures into our mind. And is firing the arrows of bad pictures into our minds. I want to say tonight, fear you have no place over my life. You have no place over my future. You have no place over my home. You have no place over my children. My children are of the Lord. The Bible said they are for signs and they are for wonders. Some of us are afraid. Some of us are afraid what our children will become. We are afraid what our future will look like. But I believe God's word. I believe his will. I believe his counsel. Lord, I say in this place, fear you have no place in my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we take this last prayer? The Bible says, For God has not given us the spirit of but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Hallelujah. I love the word sound mind. It means safe thinking. Safe what? Safe thinking. Tonight we're going to pray. From this day, my thinking will be safe. 
safe thinking. I'll be thinking to think right. My thoughts will be ordered by the Holy Spirit. My thinking realm is the God realm. My thinking realm is the possibility realm. My thought is ordained by the Holy Spirit. I bring every thought that's not of God to the obedience of Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want you to begin to pray that your thought will agree with the thoughts of God for your life. My thought will agree with the thoughts of God for my life. The thought of God is the thought of good and not of evil. That I may have a future and a hope. That's the thought of God. Every other thought. Every thought of fear. Every thought of death. Every thought of impossibility. You have no place in the name of Jesus. We banish you, you spirit of hell. We banish you, 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 you imagination that is not of God. The Bible said the tree, the axe has been laid upon the root of the tree. Every tree that does not bring forth good fruit, they shall be hooded. Every thought that is not of God will bind you. We resist you, devil. You have no place in this place tonight. We resist you in the name of Jesus. We are of God. We are the Bohemia of God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And the church said, Amen. I'm closing and I'm going to pray now. This week while we were in the Bible study, the Lord gave us a word. It says, we are the pohima of God. Pohima means we are the workmanship of God. Created in Christ Jesus. In other words, when the world is looking for God, they can't find him. When they see you, you reflect him. Everything about you shows that there is a God. That's the way God wants us to be. From today, we will reflect God. In everything that we do, in our reactions to circumstances, we will reflect God. We will be workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus. We will be the pohima of God. In the name of Jesus. Let's close our eyes to prayer. Father, tonight we thank you. We're grateful to you for your word and your truth. Thank you because we have been called to reign. We are not been called to have, have dominion over by the enemy. The enemy is sought to have dominion over us because of ignorance. The enemy is sought to have dominion over us because of the situation and circumstances around our lives. The storms, the war, the raging sea. When they come and stare us in the face, we are afraid many times. But tonight, Lord, you have shown us it is not for us to be fearful. It is for us to take control of our circumstance. Tonight, we thank you. We give you glory and honor. That ready is not just in the millennium. We must begin to reign today over the spirit of fear, over the spirit of timidity, over the spirit of intimidation from the pit of hell. Tonight, we receive the spirit of grace. We receive the spirit of faith. We receive the spirit of power. We receive that of love. We receive that of sound mind. Sound mind. Sound mind. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name.